Cliff by Magic, welcome back, Cotter. <laughs> Thank you very much. How are you, Sean? Do you know who has saved the day? MacGyver, uh, Dan Malecki, who carries so many spare parts in his boot. He's got a sweat up on the brow. He's raced back out to the car park and he's found the magical new piece of equipment that's got us back on air. Well done, Dan. How are you? Very good. Thank you, Michael. Oddly enough, it relates to laziness. I didn't get home to half past 12 from Ballarat last night and I thought, you know what? I'll leave that there for tomorrow night. And as a result, it was there to save the day. Uh, the gear, the lead. It's amazing. You don't think much of them, but they became very precious when uh, the one before them doesn't work. They so certainly do. They good certainly do. To you. Uh, it was a quick jog up to the car park and back. Not quite as quick as Captain Ravishing running a 25 seconds final quarter um, last night. But uh, anyway, I'm, I'm starting to sweat up. I think Jane Ivel, if she comes in, she might tend to think I might need the run. <laughs> uh, Dwayne Dunn is with us as well. How are you, Dwayne? Very well, thank you. Great to be here on this uh, lovely day. Um, obviously, the track's going be a little bit rain affected so we'll be probably looking for horses just in behind the speed sort of sweeping down the middle i think later in the day now maddie has your can you talk to us um, we can hear you so I you can't are hear fine. okay good so that is good so maddie today is an interesting day it's almost a moving day for the spring carnival because the undercard is so deep and there are so many races that will be affected not just by the Maccabi diva today but by all the other races as well. Yes, as I grapple with my headset. Uh, it's I wish this was on camera. You wouldn't know what's going off. Uh, and just to right clarify, here. I didn't pull out the wrong plug before. The issues are not related to M. Stewart. Which is um, a long shot in itself. It is. A, the, the roughies already got up for the day. It's... Interesting, isn't it? The, the, the Maccabi Diva, we have another smallish field. I'm not too worried about that, but you look at the amazing race meeting around the Maccabi Diva, and the Maccabi Diva itself is fascinating. I'm gonna, it's interesting. It's going to be interesting to hear from Dwayne about just how much use they might be able to make of I'm Thunderstruck to overcome that barrier. Do you push him out of his comfort zone to sit leaders back? All the races across the board, the Exford Plate from a Derby point of view, we're going to have to wait till the last race to get a much clearer picture of the Derby. The Bobby Lewis with a Newmarket winner in it, etc. So there's so many interesting runners today. I think the, of all the runners all around Australia today, the one that I think almost seems to be at a fork of the road before she's even got there is Fireburn, who uh, everyone's talking about uh, her lack of uh, mojo in track gallops and so on. She's a $6.50 chance. She's the superstar Golden Slipper winner and... It's, uh, she's the conundrum of the day, Dwayne, isn't she? Because she's out in the market and she's an absolute superstar from last season. There's the Golden Slipper hangover issue as well. And so she's a, she's a fascinating runner in Sydney, uh, the Golden Slipper winner. Yeah, that was, uh, that was history said that they were, you know, they, it was hard for them horses to come back at three. And um, we've probably had the last 10, 15 years where they've got rid of that stigma. But, um, yeah, but she had to plough through the mud multiple times and now she has to pick herself up and go again, doesn't yeah, she? Just, yeah, you just don't know whether that, that engine's been burnt out and just got to relive the, the dream again and try and get her back on track. If you were riding on Thunderstruck today, Dwayne, how would you ride the horse? Would you like to be behind what everyone assumes will be the leader, Alligator Blood, or would you be maybe another pair back on the fence? Yeah, this, this race is very much void of speed, isn't it? And I think Alligator Blood gets back to the way he used to race as a young horse and probably can dictate it from the front. But maybe getting at this stage of the day that they uh, will be starting to get away from the inside, so maybe not a really good advantage for Alligator Blood albeit unlucky first up and he should improve there's no doubt there was uh, things that went on there but uh, I, I think I'm thunderstruck you don't need to ride him out of his comfort zone I think Mark Zara knows what he's got he's probably going to be following the right horse I think he'd be able to manoeuvre out of that situation when he's required 
if someone's to surprisingly press the button against the map and the, the race shape, who, who could it be? I'm just trying to look at potential change of pattern horses. Uh, Mawanga from the widest gate. Could Jamie Carr go, you know, what the hell? He was flat um, in Sydney the other day. Let's push him forward and see see what he's still got. I'm just trying to think, Dan, as well, is there a... Is there a horse in this race where they might seize the opportunity to own the map unexpectedly, or is it just going to be Alligator Blood? Well, if what happens if Alligator Blood doesn't jump? Because he's not really renowned for being great out of the barriers. And he's he? not a dead set front runner. So, uh, I, yeah, I think this stable they only do one thing: they yeah. press forward. There's no that, that's that won't be my uh, curveball if I see that happening. But I, yeah, I don't see. It's a bit like those the other races we've had leading into this day. Is that there has been you know last. Last week with Mr. Brightside, you, you just couldn't see anything happening, and it didn't happen. So, yeah, as you say, there would be a bit of a curveball from Jamie Carr, but she, that's where you probably, you know, ride by instinct and just try and put it a bit closer and try and give you less to do late and just hang on the back of Alligator Blood. And and collectively press the button a bit earlier. Like, if Alligator Blood's bludging along in front and they're just crawling along, it's up to the other riders to to instill, a, you know, almost as a group to sort of get going maybe a furlong or two earlier than they than they instinctively might. Just quickly on uh, on Thunderstruck, you would have ridden a lot of horses that if you press the button a little bit too much, you take them out of their natural rhythm. Is is that the risk for Mark Zara if he thinks, i just got to get the back of Alligator Blood or else I'm... Is the risk that he might just ask the horse to be a little bit more forward than the horse is comfortable with? I think... Uh... I don't have that as an issue. I think he can be that bit, those couple of pairs closer, uh, and but travel. He's a type of horse to me that's not one that wants to hit the front at the 200 metre mark because that'll give him too much time to think. He's he's no doubt more of a, a better horse chasing than he is. You know, he he's the hunter, not the hunted, and I think Mark will have that in the back of his mind because if he does hit the front at the clock tower, he needs to maintain that, and that's what probably gives him horses off the back of him, Cascadia and those maybe to be able to snipe him late. Well. <laughs> You go, Dan, sorry. I was going to say, in, in a race where Alligator Blood, I, you know, you talked about uh, Gay and, and Adrian horses, they don't usually just sit up and sprint, do they? they? If they lead, they usually run along at a decent tempo. So is that more likely the scenario, it'll be a decent tempo with him leading or a sit-up and then dash from the 600? I, I don't see a dash here. I think... Uh, I Alligator Blood goes to the top. He dictates for the first half, but he's not going to be hanging around. Uh, I'm sure that Gay will be giving instructions that this horse is much fitter today than what he was first up. You can afford to press a button when required. You know he loves a fight. Um, and as I say, uh, he, he'll be there. He'll have his revs up. He, they won't be just stacked right up and then walking and then that zip. I think they'll be improving it from the 800, 600, picking it up again, and then say, right, eight, game on. Let's see what's got... Uh, anyone left in the tank to, to come out and challenge. Well, hopefully we're going to catch up with Blake Shin when he arrives this morning as well, because is Cascadian almost a little bit forgotten about? I know he's a third favourite here, but not many people are talking about Cascadian. He finished just as strongly as I'm Thunderstruck. Well back did, this morning, did last into yeah. five. So if there is this rolling tempo, can you see the horses that are going to settle back, like a Cascadian, um, being able to over, overpower them at the end? Oh, there's no doubt. He he trialled exceptionally well before his first up run, and then he brought that to the races. I didn't think he looked that well in the yard coming out of Sydney. I thought his coat could have looked much better. So it'd be interesting to have a look at him today, Parade. Um, so he may have improved off the back of that. He loves Flemington, the bigger tracks. We've said that about on Thunderstruck will be much better at at uh, Flemington than Caulfield. But Regal Power, you've got to respect this horse, I think. Um, you know, and Western Empire, nothing mm. wrong with that horse. So. What it lacks in numbers, it's got good depth here. So 
It's going to be a very tactical race. What do we make of Mwanga? Um, last, uh, but it was the Animo Profondo race. Um, gets it, the, you know, things shaken up by coming down to Melbourne, a change of scenery and so on. And Jamie Carr's an interesting rider as well. It, the best of Mwanga would be versatile enough to be, almost be the one that could adapt to any scenario in this race more than any other. But how do we assess Mwanga after, after that run in Sydney? Yeah, you just got to take him on trust, really, don't you? Like, you've got to bounce back off of a poor run on a heavy track um, although it's not going to be a firmer track today hopefully the change of scenery change of mind and uh, Jamie Carter ride and as I say hopefully she goes out there with an open book and the niche is on track today so that might be a little pointer I don't know what she had in Sydney but uh, the <laughs> niche is at Flemington well you can renew your, your love affair with, uh, with her the horses are going very well at the moment but I'd be surprised if Mwunga won today to be honest Wayne would you? Oh, it'd be a surprise. I yeah. don't think, um, you know, it looks like I'm Thunderstruck's race, but if, if there is a kink in his armour or if he gets blocked, there is a couple to put their hand up. From a Cox Plate point of view, what do you want to see? Because oh, I think a lot of us are thinking, even though he's by shocking, we want to see him really powerful as a 2,000 metre horse before we can get our head around him as a, as a Cox Plate winning horse on Thunderstruck. What are you going to be looking through through the line from him today? A really good surge right through the line to give us some indication of him getting 2,000? Uh, I think you'll see... Uh, I think last preparation he was carrying a little bit too too much condition and he, and I don't think this, this camp could get him to really fire as good as he did the preparation before. I think he looked a lot trimmer in the yard first up. I just see him powering on from here on. Outside of the Maccabi Diva, Dwayne, which is a race that you think will shape the spring the most? Is it the Exford plate at the end? Is it the, the Phillies race? Uh, there are so many interesting runners today. Yeah, well, the Exford plate, this goes back to Royal Symphony, which is pretty oh. special for me, and Brutal, which is, you know, it's been producing some really nice horses out of this, but as uh, Matt alluded to earlier, we've got to wait till the last race, so the track's going to play a big part in this race and the way this race is run, so... It looks very even to me. I don't think there's enough exposed form in that race to really get a handle on them yet. I think that'll, that'll be waiting to see. And the Bobby Lewis is another race. It's like you try and go through that race five times and pick what can win, and I think you can still miss the board. So um, very much probably that middle to outside section of that race will be playing the biggest part. It'll be interesting to see if Mar Eustace can wave a bit of a wand on Swatsat to, to sort of turn her around because she sort of spluttered a bit uh, at the end of the, the Corsons era but she's always been a good straight horse. Hey, how, Dan, and you, you've been following these, tracking these derby types along. I don't think I've seen a, a better assembly of potential derby types than this race. They're all there today. I don't know what sort of a look we're really going to get, you know, late in the day and, and we need a bit of tempo to, to have a good squeeze. But, you know, the Cadazios of this world, Terry Henderson might join us a bit later, Fajita San, Fast Witness, uh, Berkeley Tijuana, Square. Berkeley Square. Um, and yet it's a 1,400-metre race and we're talking about something that's run over 2,500. But oddly enough, at this time of the year, you do get a gauge like that Ming Dynasty race in Sydney. It's almost always set for horses that want to get to the spring champion and potential middle-distance staying types. It's in a very attractive race. You could have mm. five genuine picks here that potentially could all be Group 1 winners at some stage. Yeah, they've all put their hand up and put them in the deep end, these horses. And I think this is going to uh, determine the fork in the road for them going into the spring, whether they take on bigger, bigger and better opposition than this or they just take a step back and go back to the B grade. I think this, this race is a very, very much a dividing race. Well, you get the brutal scenario where he stayed up to a mile, then you get the Royal Symphony where um, McAvoy sort of had a little dip. I think he ran in the Cox Plate as a three-year-old, didn't he? But he went more on the staying path but didn't quite get to the derby, or did he run on the derby? No, he got, 
Yeah, he got bashed up in the Cox Plate, mm. and that's where the injury mm. turned out. But, you know, he ran fourth in a Cox Plate. I always, for the life of me, I don't know why more trainers don't. You know, those three-year-olds in Cox Plates just tick every box. They float around with the no weight, don't they? Yeah, I know we've probably had winks in the past few years, and that scared a lot off. But um, someone's got to run second, third, and fourth, and there's a lot of money to be had. And Who's a three-year-old now that you might be looking for to, to make their mark? Um, I, I don't think there's anything that's really put their hand up yet. I, I think, like today, the, seeing these sort of races, whether it's the shining light of the horse going towards the derby or maybe, you know, something that can go even shorten up and come back to 1,200. That, As I say, this race is dividing whether they stretch them or just sharpen them up. It'd be lovely to see Pinstripe make amends for some bad luck last time in. He's drawn out. Dwayne, just say the scenario for a horse like Pinstripe. The rail's back true. He's drawn out. Um, Mickey D will be looking to half get a back just to get a bit of a smother. There's not a lot of wind. Is it a winning scenario for Pinstripe, even though on face value he's, he's drawn awkwardly? Uh, I think it is. Um, he, he looks his race barrier 16 question mark, but I think having the rain last night, the way this um, track should play, I think it brings him into the race a lot better than what it was probably 24 hours ago. I had a knock from the barrier, but I think he's going to be in the right spot. He's going to be blending in down the middle. Um, I think he's got a great chance. But there's another, there's someone else we probably need to speak about today, and that's Jamie Mott. Uh, he's got two rides, both at 54. He must be a skeleton. 54. <laughs> he must be an absolute skeleton walking in here today. And, uh, you know, I think that's that's pretty good uh, sign to me that the, he's expecting these two horses. Lyrical Lad, which has been going so well in race two, and then into El Rocco, into this race. I know you've got to get down and ride light, but, um, gee, this is going to be a big squeeze for Jamie. How, how tough would that be for a jockey like Jamie Mott? Oh, extremely. He, uh, yeah, the eyes will be sunk in the back of his head. He, he'll, uh, he'll be really feeling it today. But 54, he probably rides them half over. Um, but, gee, that's a super effort for someone who's been so big and battled with their weight. I don't think I've ever known a jockey with a steelier mind for focusing on the job that needs to be done. His recovery from... He showed me an x-ray once of the screws in his leg and he, when he focuses on a mission, he, he could lose another kilo if he really needed to. That's how desperate he, uh, uh, he can be to... to to ch- you must be proud of him as a, as a just a watching from arm's length, Dwayne, a guy like Jamie, who, a bit like Steve Arnold, who, who has had such a tough life with weight and still still persevering and still finding a way to be able to, to, to make the weight scale. Yeah, super effort from Jamie. You know, he's been such a good rider. He probably hasn't been given the opportunities that he may probably deserve but he's been through a lot as well he's been punched up a lot he's had those injuries mm. he's been able to get back and you know you need good support around you and his family obviously are like sort of get right behind him and give him what he's required to get the job done and as you say if he had to lose another kilo and these horses were going in the Caulfield Cup I'd expect he'd him to find, do it find he'd, way, he'd, yeah. he'd find a way to do it but just an exceptional effort from these guys that are really struggle with their weight and if you're not riding 54 through the spring car well gee it makes it tough we couldn't spare another kilo between us Dan could we we're at our limit <laughs> oh, I don't know about that I think I've just uh, uh, got rid of one or two in the last half an hour or so uh, just as an aside uh, have you ever seen You've got a bit of history about you in a very positive way. It's called Experienced Wayne. But <laughs> today in the Sally Churns, the 2500 metre race, um, it's almost a family reunion. There are three horses yeah. that are full brothers. Can you ever remember that before in Australia? And yeah. remember, they're all internationally bred horses. Yeah, that's right. I, I, yeah, I couldn't, couldn't say that I went back that far. Well, what did we have, Elation, and that last week were, mm. that weren't in the same races. Mm. They, were, they weren't full brothers, but they were related. Um, it's it's hard to see, but yeah, 
isn't it amazing that you go through them, I think, without having them in front of me, but one you know, one race makes a difference to their prize money. One's won 70000 and the other one's won half a million and two races. It's just uh, it's great to see that they're all here challenging together. So we'll see who is the kingpin and the uh, the big brother. Well, San had two, uh, uh, yeah. a brother and a half-brother run a couple of weeks ago, so the mayor had three on the same day, but the three full in the, in the one race... Um, I'd probably get together. Three runners on the same day. The mayor didn't have three three foals on the same day. So, so, we yeah. so Serpentine, who is the, the Epsom Derby winner, uh, you've also got team captain, trained by Matt Kamani, and King of the Castle, who is the, the Williams stablemate as well. Uh, the three brothers that go around in the Sally Churn side. Who you know, is, who's a horse right now? Is there a horse in that race, yeah. Dwayne, that you think could be a cup contender? Is it Point Nepean, who's already got his ticket in there, or... Or there's a lot of groundswell for interpretation from the Ma Eustace stable that he could be a Cups contender. And look at the gear changes with interpretation. What do you make of those, Dwayne? Yeah, I think they're all positives. Um, Barry is just a little bit sticky, but, um, you know, Craig Williams uh, on Horrifying will punch forward and probably nearly take up the top. But um, we were talking, we, I think we had Alana Kelly on uh, after Point Nepean won those races early and we were talking about well whether she was going to ride it through to a Melbourne Cup. Well, Jamie Carr turns up today. Yeah. She's on Point Nepean, but the unknown horse is the King of the Castle. Mm. Um, so maybe there's something to read into that. And Alana mate. gets flicked onto it. Yeah, so mm. you, you probably... You it know, might be the omen. We, we might be looking for conspiracy theories, but well, uh, yeah, that's no, interesting. Speaking of conspiracy theories, do you put much emphasis into the fact that Greg Carpenter announces his final Melbourne Cup weights on Tuesday. Point Nepean's already in the Cup, so does he want to risk getting another half kilo today? Let's <laughs> uh, start you're... talking about conspiracy theories. We know what happened to your last conspiracy theory bloke. He's, <laughs> he's in the bay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the, the, the coke tugger. The coke yeah. tugger. Concrete boot man. Yeah, you don't want to be the next one in line to be Dwayne's super mole, do you? Nah. Hey, just talking of weights before, just an SMS here. Did you ride... I can't quite remember. Did you ride Royal Symphony in that Cox Plate at 48 and a half? No. No, no I didn't. Was it Dean, Dean Yandel? Dean Yandel rode him, yeah. yeah. What's the lightest you could get down to? I think I rode uh, 49 was about my lightest 20-odd years ago now. But I, 53, I probably could have ridden 52 if I had got desperate into a, into a Melbourne Cup. But I always found that when I rode that light, it just killed me for the next month or so. So whatever part of the spring it was, it was never going to work well. Um, but I, I've been fortunate with my weight all the way through. What would you say is your number one proudest moment in racing as a, as a jockey? Um, Blue Diamond record? Blue Diamond's played a huge part in my in my career, but probably defining was Torquay winning the yep. Caulfield Cup. That that changed my life. Group one in Hong Kong, but just probably not my. Uh, I, I got beaten on the horse, but Dylan riding the winner for the Queen, which uh, which was outstanding, and that was uh, a really. <laughs> we had a discussion the other day. He's uh, obviously the media been in touch with him and calling him, having the first winner for the Queen in Australia, and. Uh, that one question was asked, how many photos of that is around uh, our house? And uh, the answer to that is there's more, there's more of him on the Queen's horse than me winning Group 1s, put it that way. Well, it's, wow. a, it's a beautiful segue. Do you mind sticking around a couple of minutes? Because David Hayes, who trained Bold Sniper, is going to join us after the break and we'll relive Dylan's most magical moment winning for the Queen, the first win in Australia. That's up next on your Saturday race day morning, live from Flemington.